Lior has this number, 1-855-821-5900. And, of course, Lior at employmenthour.com, L-I-O-R. We start the show every week, my friend, with the week that was. It's always an interesting week at your firm, for sure. What happened uh, this week? Yeah, the life of a lawyer, John. Very, very exciting. I know you're jealous. I know you you, you radio jocks just don't have it as good as uh, us lawyers. So I always like to start by talking about the uh, week that was, a couple situations, things that I saw that uh, our listeners may be uh, experiencing themselves. Now, the first uh, matter I'm going to talk to you about has to do with the time of year. So we're around the holidays now, and one of the uh, signs of the holidays is, well, the holiday party. Uh, a lot of employers have their own holiday parties now, you know, big celebration. And uh, the first matter I'm going to tell you about came out of that. So I got a call from a gentleman uh, this week okay. uh, who had his holiday party the previous weekend. Now, it was a big party, and unfortunately for this person, he drank a bit uh, too much. Never happens. Uh, never happens. No, of course not here, no. Uh, he became fairly loud and obnoxious, uh, you know, annoyed a few people, and made, uh, made a bit of a you-know-what out of himself. Uh-huh. Uh, now, wouldn't you know it, a couple of days later on the Monday, company lets him go for cause, right. okay, due to what they called inappropriate conduct. So the question then became, okay, this guy clearly, you know, probably crossed a bit of a line. Sure. But is that cause for termination? Well, the reality is, no, it's not cause. And here's why. Uh, First of all, the company in this event is serving alcohol. Okay? They're the ones paying for the booze. So here's booze. It's free. Use it as much as you want. Drink up. So that's one. The other reason, well, first of all, this was off-duty conduct. It wasn't during workplace hours. It didn't impact with the work. So it was something that happened off work. Uh, for, the other thing is he didn't hurt anyone. He didn't uh, touch anyone or, or you know, sexually harass anyone, anything like that. Uh, and finally, he had a clean record otherwise. This was not something that he had before. There was no other warnings on his record. So the reality is, as a result, this was not a termination for cause. And remember, John, how difficult it is to establish cause. It's the death penalty, right? The death penalty. You have to do something so bad, so awful, that it's impossible to continue employing you. And this guy in this situation was not even close. So what does that mean for him? Well, in light of his situation, he had worked there for about six years. He was likely looking at about nine months of severance, which for him was about $50,000. So we went from potentially terminating for cause to about $50,000. Uh, and so remember, you know, for employers this time of year, be very careful. First of all, don't let people uh, drink and drive, but also uh, take the conduct and the party uh, in, in the proper proportions. So uh, the second matter I'll talk to you about, uh, another one of those cases where there's a huge discrepancy okay. between what the person was offered uh, on termination and what they should have been offered. So I spoke with a gentleman from Ottawa, heard us on uh, CFRA over there, and he was let go after about, uh, uh, as well, he was let go almost two years ago. Now, this was an older gentleman in his 60s who had worked for that employer for about a dozen years. Uh, when he was let go, he was paid about eight weeks of severance. He wasn't asked to sign anything. He didn't sign anything. Uh, and he didn't really think any further about it. He thought that that was what he was owed. Now, it took him about a year, just over a year, to find another job uh, given his age and for, uh, for less money as well. Now, he happened to catch the tail end of our show last week, and he realized, well, wait a second, maybe I was owed more. So what does he do? He calls me, and sure enough, the difference between the eight-week salary that he was paid and what he was actually owed for him was right around $100,000. That is a serious uh, chunk of coin. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, for him, that was a, a good timing that he heard our show, and luckily for him, he had not had been uh, two years yet, so the two-year limitation period had not uh, expired. 
so uh, and you it know, didn't matter that he'd already received the eight weeks. He'd already been no, through this. It's, like, it's history as far as the employer is concerned. No, and, ah. and the best part is I, I fully expect to be able to get this resolved for him before the holidays. So he'll have ah. a bit of a merry Christmas, I think. No kidding. Yeah, wow. no big big difference. Okay, we'll uh, take a short break. You got questions? Anything under that employment ban? You got a severance package in front of you, and you don't think it's adequate? Give us a call anytime. Lior's not in the in the studio here. Being a rock star, it's 416-216-5900. And as always, 1-855-821-5900. More of the Employment Hour coming up at AM640 and AM900 CHML. Lior's number, by the way, outside of show hours, 416-216-5900. Can you also use this, 1-855-821-5900 across everywhere. That'll work. Uh, we'll get to uh, some phone calls shortly. I want to give us a call. We'd love to, uh, to hear from you. First of all, we want to get into this, the top mistakes employers make with their employers. The countdown. With their employees, that's yeah, right. employees, pardon me, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, I'll count on a few things here. You know, we, we always talk about employee rights. You know, oftentimes the reason why employee rights are, are not maintained or violated is not because the employer is bad or because the employer is trying to hurt the employee. The employer may make a mistake. The employer may just not know any mm-hmm. better. Uh, you know, we, we operate within a legal framework here, and, and if you don't know it, you're going to make mistakes. So what I've done here is I've uh, come up with the probably the biggest mistakes that I see that employers make that cool. result in problems for them, for their employees, uh, that result in legal rights being violated. Uh, so I bet you if there's employers listening right now, a lot of them are going to be you know guilty of making these mistakes. And a lot of the employees, individuals listening to us are going to say, wait a second, that was exactly I've my situation. Victim of that mistake, yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that happened to me. I didn't realize, in fact, that that was a mistake on my employer's part. So uh, the first mistake has to do with overtime, actually. And, and there's two components to that mistake. And the first mistake that employers make as relates to overtime is that they assume that overtime is only paid to hourly employees. And right. we've talked about this on the show before, uh, John. And overtime is not just paid to hourly employees. Any employee, uh, even if they get paid a salary, is entitled to overtime. Managers are exempt. A few other people are exempt, pool cleaners, etc. cetera. Uh, but generally speaking, uh, an employee gets overtime, even if they get paid a salary. And overtime is calculated on the basis of 44 hours a week or more. So if you work 44 hours or more, you're entitled to time and a half for any extra hours over 44. And that could be a huge mistake for an employer because they may not realize that we have to pay someone overtime. They're on salary. They're not hourly. So they have these people working all these hours. And, you know, six months later, they say, wait a second. Now the employee says, where's my overtime pay? I've been working for the last six months. You haven't paid me. And that becomes a, a huge, huge bill for the employer that they didn't expect. Yeah. So, so understand that overtime is paid to any employee except specific employees that are exempt. Happy to answer questions about that. And uh, regardless of salary or, or hourly. The other mistake employers make with overtime uh, is that they don't monitor the employee's hours of work. It's not good enough to say that overtime wasn't approved employee. So I didn't approve this overtime, so I'm not going to pay that to you. If the overtime was worked if it was related to the job, and if the employee can show, in fact, that he or she worked that overtime, overtime has to be paid, okay? So an employer can't say, well, no, no, I didn't approve it. I don't care that you worked extra hours. That's I didn't not tell gonna... you to. No, right. that doesn't work. So what right. should employers do? Well, they should have policies outlining how overtime gets approved, but they also have to monitor these hours of work, okay? They have to monitor them. They can't uh, turn a blind eye if someone is working extra hours. They have to be active, and they have to implement policies to who's going to approve it, what the employee has to do. Otherwise, they're going to end up paying a lot of overtime without realizing that they had that legal obligation to do so. We're talking about the top mistakes employers make with their employees. We always bounce over the phone calls in between. Got uh, Ricky here. Hi, Ricky. 
Hi there. How are you guys? Good. Uh, you got a question? Go ahead. Yes, I do. Uh, first of all, thank you for the program. And just uh, so I'm about to sign a contract, employment contract here, and there's a clause in this contract that's getting has got me gotten me nervous. So okay. I'll state well, it's only two sentences long. And what it says is, you agree that the terms and conditions of your employment, including your position, duties, and remuneration, may be amended or altered from time to time and without notice in the firm's sole discretion as the needs of the firm require. It's a big one. And that's a huge one, Ricky. And I, I'm so glad that you called with this question. And, and please stay on the line to hear the answer, because here's why that's a problem. What this clause does, is it allows the employer to do whatever it wants to your job. So you may have negotiated a job, you know, my, my job is this, my title is that, my responsibilities are this, my salary my is that. location is this. Right. And, okay, so I come to terms, but none of that means anything. Because the contract says, whatever we agreed, who cares? We can change all of that. And by the way, if we do that, you have no recourse. So what was really the point of agreeing to what your job and salary and location was (laughs) if the employer can do whatever they want? May as well hire you. We'll hire you on whatever basis we want, pay you whatever we want, and you'll do whatever we tell you. Yeah, because they wanted to hire me as a contract physician first, and they really liked me, and then they wanted to hire me as a full-time guy. And so that's why I'm kind of worried about, like, they're giving me a good pay and everything, but just that... Just that one thing is like throwing Well, they're out. giving a good pay now, now, Ricky, but that could change. And, and if you sign this and the next day, next week, next year, yeah. you call me and they say, now they've changed everything on me, I'm going to tell you, unfortunately, there's nothing that you can do because you've agreed to give them that power. So what, what should you do here? I would raise that with them as a concern. I say, listen, we've agreed to terms of employment here. So if that, those are my, ter- my terms, let's put in a clause that we can only change it by mutual consent, by mutual agreement. That's only fair. Otherwise, you know, I'm concerned about what we've agreed to. I wouldn't uh, be you know, uh, over the top. I wouldn't say, how dare you? This is unacceptable. But I would approach them with a legitimate concern and try to get that changed. In my experience, Ricky, in most, most cases, you are able to change that. Uh, now, if they refuse, ultimately you have to make a decision and you make whatever decision is best for you. But I know exactly why you're concerned about this clause. I would be just as concerned. That's a big red flag if they, if they refuse as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, no pro, yeah. but uh, so, so you're negotiating a term with an employer. You, you've gone back and forth. Finally, okay, thank God we've come to terms. Except what does it matter? Nothing. We can change whatever we want. So what's the point? And, and, but I bet you, I, I would bet anything that if he raises this properly with his employer, the employer is going to change it. Because it might, is there is there a chance that that employer maybe that was uh, that the legal came up yeah, with that? Yeah, that's the employer's why. like, what? We didn't know that was in there. Sorry. Yeah, no, we didn't put it in there. That makes sense. What you're saying. Yeah, you're yeah. right. We've agreed to all these things. Why right. should we be able to just change it? Yeah. We want you here. Yeah, type of thing. Right. So, so I, I think you should do that. And, and good call. Yeah. Back into the top mistakes employers make with their employees. Yes. Okay. So, uh, you know, actually, <laughs> interesting because we got this call. No, we don't stage these things, folks. Yeah. But the next topic um, uh, or the next mistake that employers make is they don't bother entering into proper contracts of employment with their employees. Mm -hmm. So uh, a lot of times employers think that they have a right to do all kinds of things. They have the right to make changes. They have a right to uh, reduce compensation, to move people. You don't have that right unless you negotiate for it, unless you have an agreement with an employee. You have the employee sign a contract that gives you that flexibility to make these changes. So if you want to have flexibility in terms of employment, the employer, well, contract for it. I don't have a lot of sympathy for you if you didn't bother doing that. And then you say, well, wait a second, why can't we make changes? You want to make changes, you have to have the employee sign a proper contract of employment. 
Same thing with employers uh, sometimes complaining about having to pay too much severance. Well, wait a second. If you want to reduce the amount of severance you have to pay, you have an opportunity to do that in a contract of employment, an employment agreement. So if you agree to a term with the employee that specifies a different amount of severance or reduces the amount of severance and the employee agrees, then you have a deal. So use those. If if employers want to have those, they should use them. And one of to me, one of the most important things that an employer can do is to have the employee sign a proper contract of employment. For employees, though, John, they're much better off not having signed a detailed yeah, contract. Smaller or nothing is good. Much, much, much better. one 855 a way to get hold of Lior at any time. Lots more of the show coming up right here on AM640 and AM900 CHML. Yeah, please give us a call. We love our phone calls. And so far, two years in, you're, uh, you're like batting a 1,000, man. You've answered everything. I'm trying, John. Pretty, I'm trying. Pretty sharp. <laughs> no well, uh, pressure. Yeah, right. We'll get to uh, Joan in Toronto. Hello, Joan. Hi there. Hi. Go ahead. How are you? I'm excellent. How are you? Good, thank you. Okay. I have a question as far as the regulations that um, you were talking about as far as overtime. I think that that's provincial statutes. I think it's right. different for federal, is it not? Yeah. Uh, federal, actually, the standard is lower. It's actually 40 hours. Yes, provincial employees, so most employees that, that work in Ontario, not certainly all would be regulated provincially. So the standard is 44, but for those working in the railway or, or banks or uh, international transportation, it, it's, a, it's a lower threshold, 40 hours. But the, the, the idea is the same, that overtime is paid to all employees, except those that are specifically exempt, uh, even if they're uh, salaried employees. And many employers get that uh, very wrong. Right. So uh, would that include government employees? Yes, that would. Right. Absolutely. There you go. And oh, the return of Ricky. Hi, Ricky. How are you? You were just Hi. here. Uh, yeah. Come back for more, huh? All right. Well, what <laughs> yeah. else? Uh, you got another question? Yeah, I just have one little quick other question. Also in the contract, it states that this employment relationship is terminable by the firm without cause at any time in accordance with the minimum provisions of the Ontario Employment Standards Act, yeah. comma 2000, as amended. Yeah, so that's actually exactly what I was talking about in the last segment before we went on break. So what this employer has done is it put a stipulation in that allows them to let you go at any time for any reason by paying you the minimum amount possible. But why is that a bad thing for you is because without this clause, without what you just read to me, you'd be entitled to whenever they decide to let you go, if that happens, to a lot more severance, probably tens of thousands of dollars difference that would eventually be. So the net effect of the contract you're looking at is they could do whatever they want to your job uh, at any time. And if they decide to let you go, they'll pay you almost nothing. Now, Here's what I I advise, Ricky, because there may be other things in the contract that are are problematic. Let's you and I talk off air. Let me take a look at the whole document rather than what you just read. I'll tell you what else there may or may not be there that's a concern. And then we'll talk about how to best approach your employer about this. So so let's talk off air. I'll ask you to send me the contract and let's go from there. Okay. Can I send it to your email? Absolutely. Uh, Go ahead, John. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. Uh, that's that. That just sounds like a big bowl of wrong. I yeah, see that yeah. contract. No, it's a too, problem. Right? Sure. Yeah. We'll get to uh, Hugh. Hello, Hugh. How are you? I'm well, thanks. How are you? Okay. I'm okay, man. Go ahead. Ask a question. Uh, I was recently re- released from my employment uh, with my company that I've been with for four and a half years due to outsourcing my IT position to a third party. Right. Uh, they've given me slightly better than what the Employment Standard Act requires in that I have this entire month on payroll and then my four weeks severance starts on December 26th. However, the real objective objective of uh, severance is to give people the time to find another position. Of course. This month is really a write-off for doing that. Yep. 
Um, so I would like to get some advice on how to approach them without getting them antagonistic with them to kind of tack on another four weeks so that really it starts January 1st, not December 1st, well, which is how it, how it is now. Well, Hugh, let's first go through an analysis quickly to find out what is proper severance for you. So how long have you worked with this company? Four and a half years, just four, about. Four and a half years. And what, what is your job? What do you do there? Systems administrator. Okay, gotcha. And, and how old are you, Hugh? I'm 47. Okay. Well, uh, in someone in your situation, unless you signed a contract that explicitly limits your entitlement, it's going to be looking at at least six months of severance, okay? Six months, okay? So that, what does that mean? If, you're, uh, if you got noticed that you're going to be on payroll until December the 29th, that four weeks does count towards your severance. But at the end of that, you're still entitled to another five months of severance, not another month or two or three. So, so that's what's at stake first. It's not an extra four weeks. It's potentially an extra four or five months. Wow. Okay. Now, in terms of how to approach the employer, the best news I'm going to be able to give you right now, Hugh, is that these issues are very easy to resolve. They resolve quickly, and they resolve, just as important, without burning any bridges. Usually, it's as simple as sending a, a very brief letter to the employer saying, here's what we feel is fair. We want to resolve this professionally, quickly, amicably, and it, it, it doesn't take much more than that in most of these cases. So again, give me a call out there. Let me actually take a look at what they've offered you, uh, see if there's a contract of employment that may change the analysis. And on that basis, I'm going to be able to talk to you exactly about what we need to do here. Mm-hmm. But but I'm glad you called because you're looking at six months severance. That's what you're Big owed. difference. Hugh, the number one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Again, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. These are good phone calls today. People are calling in the in the nick of time to uh, quote a, uh, an expression. Got to Richard. Hello, Richard. Hi. Good afternoon. How are you? Good, thank you. My question, I'm actually asking on behalf of a friend of mine. Uh, she was uh, asking me about a, a contract that she's uh, looking at right now for a new opportunity. It's with a company that's uh, essentially um, just kind of emerging in Canada. And yep. she's, leaving, she's leaving a job after six years. And the contract is uh, is very basic. So I, I appreciated that comment about less is more. It's kind of interesting. Yep. But one, one of the things that she's uh, thinking of um, asking them for is a termination clause. Uh, you know, because she's taking a little bit of a risk, even though it's a great opportunity, she's thinking, well, you know, if they decide in six months or a year from now that, you know, they, they maybe went in the wrong direction, mm-hmm. um, you know, I guess what employment standards might allow her two weeks. Uh, she's thinking maybe she should uh, put in the in the contract maybe three months or six months. Um, she's about 32. And um, Lior, what would you think in a situation like that? What's uh, what, what's the advice? So, you know, excellent question. You know, in situations where the employee leaves secure employment to to join a company, they are taking a risk, and the law has recognized that in the sense that if the company were to let her go, uh, if she was recruited from another company, the the severance that she would get would actually include or uh, recognize the service which she had with the other company. Now, but that that suggests that you may have to get into a bit of a legal dispute over that. I agree with you and your friend that the best way to deal with this, okay, is to put in the contract right off the bat a more favorable termination clause and what i would do here is uh put in something that guarantees her a minimum okay an absolute minimum of three or four months of severance no matter when they let her go and then every year it increases by by say a month's pay so after two years she gets three plus two that's five months something like that and you know it could be capped at something maybe a 12 months or whatever what have you but something like that would be good. It avoids a legal battle. But that said, if she, the company is now willing to go there and they're now willing to do that, 
I need your friend to know that ultimately she may still have recourse at law if they let her go after a week, a month, a couple of years uh, to get additional severance, significantly more severance, in light of the fact that she left a secure job. So best way to deal with it is be proactive. But if the company refuses, there still may be legal recourse if and when you need it down the road. Again, Richard, uh, anytime you have uh, questions for Lior, offer one 855 If he wasn't completely clear, Lior at employmenthour.com. Or the Employment Hour is on the way at AM640 and AM900 CHML. You can also always call one 855 821 and Lior, L-I-O-R at com. We'll get to more phone calls here in a moment, but I want to bounce back over uh, for a little bit to the top mistakes employers make with their employees. Yes, so we've talked already about overtime, We've talked about uh, not bothering to enter into proper contracts of employment. Another mistake that employers make is they don't document performance issues or other misconduct. So an employer may just know that they have an employee that's not doing a good job. There's been problems with that employee. They don't document it, but eventually they say, you know what, enough is enough. Uh, this this person has screwed up uh, uh, too many times, and they say, well, we're going to let him go for, for cause. cause. Yeah. Well, guess what? You can't do that. That would be probably a wrongful dismissal. The reason for that is because you need to document this. You have to have documentation to establish, number one, what the conduct was and any discipline that you've imposed. One of the reasons uh, cause exists is because it's a last measure. So if you haven't imposed any previous measures or you can't really prove what the employee did before, you can't let the employee go for cause. So for employers, that lesson is very important. You have to document misconduct, create a record, have the employee sign that they've received it, uh, impose prior discipline, warnings, suspensions. Only then can you consider terminating for cause, okay? Uh, and for, uh, for employees, the lesson, of course, as I remember, is that, as, as you remember, John, is that it's extremely difficult to terminate for cause. And unless your employer has done a job of documenting all these things that supposedly you did wrong, then there probably is no cause to terminate. And on the flip side, as an employee, you can make sure you keep uh, records of rebuttals. Yes, right? absolutely. Yeah. You, you build your own case as an yes. employee. If the employer is building a case against you, you have to build your own case. And a lot of employers get this wrong. They don't bother to do that. They terminate for cause when they can't actually legally do so. James, welcome to the show. Good afternoon. Um, I'm not calling on behalf of myself. It's a company I used to work with, and now uh, one of the ladies there, they've, they're changing the, um, the hours. So it was a, a claims job. So it was kind of your basic, you know, 8 to 4, 9 to 5 sort of job. And then a change was made that they were doing some later at night. But now um, they're being told, they're Saturdays, and to take it or leave it. And I yep. don't know. So uh, you know. So here's it, it's. There's three options. There's taking it, leaving it, but there's also leaving uh, with severance. So she does not have the legal obligation. To, to take a, a job that now requires her to work on the weekend if before she hadn't uh, she didn't have to work on the weekend that said there's no way to actually physically stop the employer from imposing that term so her options are she can take it if she wants and that yeah. that now becomes a term of her employment or she can say no I'm not going to accept that and if they still insist at that point she can leave and treat her employment as being terminated that's a constructive dismissal which means they have to pay her severance so it's not a situation where she ends up leaving and just gets nothing for it. Uh, it's as if the company ultimately terminated her employment. But that's the choice, really. It's to stay on or leave with severance. That's what I thought. Yep. Okay. Thank, I, I love this show. Thank Th- you. Thanks, James. Oh, thank you, James. Appreciate that. We'll get to uh, another phone call. Uh, hi, Tim. How are you? Yeah, good afternoon. Good. I'm doing okay. How are you guys? Good, man. You got a question? Yes, I do. Okay. Um, um, Leora, uh, this, this question, I, I may have directed it to you already. 
Um, my question is of recruitment. I'm 54 years of age. Yeah. I live uh, in a rural area south of Hanover, Ontario. Yep. I had a job, which I did not have to leave, and I left in uh, the first week of August. Okay? Because I, um, I dropped by another company not too far from me here. I went to see them and um, popped off a resume, and they called me, mm-hmm. made me an offer, and uh, no, con- no written contract or anything. And there was nothing, no, no mention made of layoffs or anything of that nature. And uh, uh, about two weeks ago, I was uh, phoned at home, told um, you can come in and pick you up your ROE. Wow. So, Tim, uh, and you said no contract of employment, no written contract. That is correct. So the problem with, well, I talked about it before on the show, about recruitment and the fact that if you recruited from another job, the severance that you get may, in fact, recognize your past service. Usually, that means that the company kind of was aggressive looking and, and, and coming for you when you're not really out there looking for, for a job. In your case, because you're the one that went over there and handed in a resume, yeah. it's probably going to be difficult to, to reach that level of incru- uh, recruitment or another name for it is inducement because the company uh-huh. induces you to leave secure employment. But here's a very important situation, uh, yeah. Tim. You've, if I understand correctly, you worked there from, I guess, uh, the, the uh, August till November, December. Yeah. Okay. And what was your job? What did you do there? Um, I was working in the final assembly, but kind of overseeing a fellow, not, not really management, but kind okay. of overseeing a guy. Approximately how much pay, just generally? Uh, not much, uh, I think 14 an hour. Okay. And how old are you, Tim? 54. Okay. So you probably are looking at, even, even in this situation, as much as a couple of months pay, okay, uh-huh. potentially. So even though you only worked there for a few months, you may be entitled to a couple of months pay just, just based on forgetting even about the previous job that you had. Uh, did they offer you any severance? No, actually, the only thing I got was like one day's pay. There was one day left in that week, and yeah. uh, they gave me my holiday pay. Well, you know, then I'm glad you called. So give me a call at the office, either myself, someone in my firm, or potentially if we decide it's appropriate, maybe a paralegal that works with us can help you get this resolved. Uh, ultimately, yeah, you, you're owed a couple of months' pay, and uh, there's no reason you shouldn't pursue that. Money is money. Uh, give me a call, and uh, let's get this resolved. Tim, again, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. This is why the show was so important. A simple phone call like that, right? Yeah, it's all and, it takes. And, and you know, he he wasn't even thinking that he's owed something for that. He thought, well, maybe if I can establish that they recruited me from another job. But the reality is, even if he can't, and I don't think he can in this situation, just by virtue of working there for a few months, uh, he's already going to be entitled to severance, probably a couple of months severance. And no, people, I'm not wrong. It's not a couple of days or a couple of weeks, a couple of months. Yeah. Uh, so I'm glad he called. I want to reiterate, I know we're talking about the uh, top mistakes employers make, but I want to reiterate that whole couple weeks thing because that's three people now that have mentioned that. That's right, and it's They've wrong. they mentioned the though. Ministry of Labor. they mentioned the week, so we'll get to that. We, got, we should just do it every week because people just don't know. one 855 to get hold of Lior. Outside of show hours, lots more coming up. The Employment Hour on Talk Radio AM 640 and over at AM 900 CHML. Calling now is an excellent piece of advice, so uh, looks like Scotty's done that. Hi, Scotty. Welcome to the show. Uh, no, that's Scott. It's Claudio. Okay, perfect. How are you? You got a question for Lior? I was wrong. Yes, uh, yes, I do. I was working with a company uh, at home uh, for about a year, and um, I was working uh, basically the Thursday through the Monday, right? Yeah. And uh, through the weekend, and uh, they had come up with a, uh, a question to me saying, uh, did you want to change to a uh, different shift, uh, uh, basically uh, midnights, and you have your uh, Saturday and uh, Sundays off, I said sure. So I applied, and uh, about a week went through, uh, went by, and then they uh, sent me a note back saying, "Well, sorry, we can't do it anymore." Right. Uh, and we changed it uh, completely. We have to work midnights, and yeah, and the only days off are Thursday and Friday, which uh, doesn't work for me at all. Right. I have a family, 
uh, and so on and so forth, you know, I want to uh, spend some time with them. The only time I can spend time with them is on the weekends, obviously, right? Right. And uh, so we you know, went back and forth. I said, look, you know, if you can't put it back the way it was before, or, um, you know, at least, you know, give me uh, like a Friday, Saturday or a Sunday, Monday, you know, kind of work with me. And they, they, they came back and forth and said, no, we can't do it at all, right? So uh, I would say I wanted to explore if that is, like, is, is uh, a type of constructive dismissal what they're doing. Well, absolutely, Claudio. Now, how long have you worked with the company? About, uh, it's going to be a year next month. So uh, almost a year? Yes. And what, what do you earn approximately? Uh, approximately 12 bucks an hour. So, uh, yes. First of all, my, 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 the answer here is that, no, they, they don't have the legal uh, uh, ability. They, they can't, they're not allowed to change uh, hours in such a significant way. I mean, that's a huge change. And if you haven't agreed and accepted it, then that's not something they're allowed to do. Uh, so that means that you, you may be allowed to leave with severance, with uh, compensation. Now, it's, if you signed a contract of employment when you started, uh, that may limit your entitlements. I, I don't know. I haven't seen it. If you have not, you probably are looking at it at you know one to two months of severance uh, is what they'd owe you here. Probably a couple of months of severance. So uh, keep that in mind. Those are your options here. And uh, if you decide to leave, give me a call, and I'll, I'll probably in your particular case connect you with a good paralegal that I work with closely, uh, and, and uh, he'll be able to help you easily. Okay, so I'll get your number from the show, and I'll talk to you uh, out there, okay? Sounds you good. Claudio, that number, 1-855-821-5900, 1-855-821-5900. I mentioned before we get back into the uh, top things employers do, uh, this whole, we've heard it three times now, this compensation based on the Ministry of Labor in the couple of weeks, people yeah. still think. Yeah, and, and you know, ultimately for, for employers, one of the biggest mistakes, is probably, you know, I'll, I'll end with this on the mistakes front, but the mistakes that employers make is that they don't know or understand their own obligations towards their employees when it comes to termination or severance pay. They just don't know, they don't bother getting informed. Now, if you're going to have employees, you have to do it within a, a legal framework, within a, a proper legal framework. This is not the Wild West. Mm-hmm. You can't just do whatever you want. Our laws regulate that. And I am shocked daily as to how many employers don't know or don't bother to find out how much severance they have to pay employees. I see employers every day thinking things like, oh, we're a small employer. We don't have to pay any, any severance. Or wait a second, we only have to pay one week for every year of service or two weeks for every year of service. Uh, just what you were talking about, John. And of course, we all know, if you've been listening to my show, that that is completely, completely wrong. Uh, and now an employer that makes business decisions on that basis, is, it's a problem. So maybe they plan their finances for the year on the basis that they're going to have to pay this employee, Joe, $5,000 worth of severance. Now, if they go ahead with it, and then they get a letter from me saying, uh, no, you actually owe Joe $50,000 worth of severance, uh, and, and they, they didn't know that, it's not 5000 their whole finances for the year are, are going to get screwed up because they simply didn't bother informing themselves. So here's how severance is calculated for the record and for everyone listening, employers and em- employees alike. We need to look at the three factors, length of employment, age, position. The longer the employee works, the older they are, and the more senior a position they have, the greater the entitlements. And unfortunately, I can't just give you a formula of a week per year of service or two weeks per year of service. There's no such formula. And if you think that there is, unfortunately, you're wrong. So 
I've created the severance calculator, severancepaycalculator.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's an employer mode on there, and you can use that to try to find out uh, and to calculate very, very simply how much severance the employer has to pay. Obviously, it works for employees. The employee can find out uh, at severancepaycalculator.com uh, how much severance they're owed. So inform yourself. Get that information or speak with a lawyer uh, even better and get that information. Don't make a decision based on something you may have uh, you know, read at the Ministry of Labor website or because you're friend told you that it's this. Uh, you have to inform yourself. You have to act legally. Let's talk. Uh, this is something you, you touched on at the beginning of the show with uh, the person who had the uh, incident at work because it was uh, you know, the Christmas party and the beverages were flowing. So let, let's move it on uh, to a little bit to a different side, and that would be relationships in the workplace. So, uh, I mean, the first question obviously would be, you know, should employees care if employ- or employers rather care if employees have a romantic relationship with each other? I mean, they, you know, the, the, the expression is, you know, you're not supposed to dip your pen in company ink. Just keep it out of the workplace, right? But do employers care and should they care? I don't know if I actually heard that expression before, but I'm going to start using that. I, yeah, like I that. know Thank you will. You. Yeah, and, and, you know, no, employers should, uh, should care, John, because uh, there are many situations where the, the personal relationship that these people may have, you know, outside of the workplace may spill in into the workplace and impact what happens at mm-hmm. work. For example, you know, if they break up and now they hate each other, but they have to continue working, uh, that's a problem. Or, you know, they, they, because they're all, you know, lovey-dovey and uh, they, they can't now uh, concentrate on their work and they're distracted by, by having each other there, that's a problem. Another issue may be if there's a manager that uh, has a relationship with a subordinate, there may be issues there in the workplace oh, yeah. in terms of, you know, how this impacts other and, and is this relationship fair and is the relationship is consensual. All of that is to say that, yes, there are so many issues that are, are, uh, can arise from having a, a inter-office employment relationship that, yes, employers can't ignore that. Employers need to have a way to deal with that. And, and if you decide you don't care, fine. But you have to turn your mind to it. And, and my advice always has been we need to implement some policies in place to address how these things are going to be handled. Well, that, that's the next question. Can the employer try to prevent it? And what, what do they have to do to go about doing so? You know, employers can put in policies saying, no, we don't allow that. At the end of the day, it's going to be very difficult to prevent it. It's going to be very difficult to say, wait a second, uh, employee, the two of you are working on the assembly line. I understand you're dating, so you're fired. Uh, no, that's not going to work. It's much easier going to be to, to prevent, let's say, a manager from uh, engaging in a relationship with a subordinate because that is just uh, could, could be, as you like to say, a whole bowl of wrong. Yeah. So, so that may be a problem. You can't really do that. You can't otherwise uh, legislate, so to speak, uh, against it. But I, I would certainly outline, uh, you know, that here's our policies that we discourage that and have a way to monitor these relationships to see if there's a, any problems that have spilled into the workplace. I want to talk more about that after we take a short break. one 821 is Lior's number anytime. Lots more of the Employment Hour coming up. This is Talk Radio AM 640 and on AM 900 CHML. one 821 5900 is Lior's number, Lior at employmenthour.com. Outside of Shores, you have questions or you need to get a hold of him for, uh, for your own case, something happening with your employee or an employer. We talked about just before the break relationships in the workplace. You said it's really hard to mandate something, uh, you know, in writing to that effect. But even if they can't do that, maybe it was, maybe it's advised or it's preferred uh, by an employer that the employees don't do this type of relationship, even if they're two line workers. Maybe they legally can't sign it into a contract, but could that af- down the line affect if, if these two people come back and there's a problem in the workplace, now their performance has gone down, maybe they're dropping the ball and it turns into maybe as far as a constructive dismissal. Can they bring that to the table saying, we told you, we advised you, but you got into a relationship with Joe? Yeah. And, and, and right. you know, that, that's one of the things that employers can do to protect themselves is, is to put in uh, policies and practices in place 
that allow them to to protect themselves if things go sour. And, you know, oftentimes, and I've seen this happen, you know, that's why I say oftentimes, uh, you know, a relationship may, uh, may, may end and one party may feel that they got the raw end of the deal and now they don't want to work with the other person or maybe they feel that the other person that, that, uh, that still wants to be in the relationship is now harassing them or, or treating them inappropriately. Wow. And then the employer has to deal with that. So employers have to, uh, to be aware that that's a possibility. And I have seen some situations where I've advised the employer, you know, if these people are, are in a relationship now in the workplace, separate them. Don't have them work together because that 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 could, could tend, potentially cause problems now when they're in the relationship and down the road if they break up. So you got to be active and deal with that. Uh, and, you know, you can't, well, fire people just because they've done that. I would, by the way, have a very big concern with a manager. I, I may consider letting the manager go if he decided to date a subordinate. That that I have a problem with. Wow. But uh, two people on a, on a, you know, at the same level on the line, so to speak, uh, you know, you just have to be aware that that could cause problems and you got to be proactive. Move, in, move them to a different place. Monitor the situation. Let them know that uh, you know you expect them to, to continue doing their job, and that their personal relationship should not spill into the workplace. Now, if coworkers find themselves involved in a, rom- a romantic relationship, what should they do? Well, you know, I think they should be honest with their employer. I think that the employer needs to be aware of that, uh, especially if that employer has policies against it. If the employer doesn't have policies, probably not as important. But if an employer has policies, I think the employee should be honest about it uh, and and uh, tell assure the employer that they're that's the personal relationship that they're going to continue doing their job then it's not going to impact the workplace uh, and make sure that uh, the employer is understand that they're committed to the job. Any bad examples you've seen in your <laughs> career? <laughs> I, I've seen a lot, John. Yeah. I, and, you know, I, I've seen uh, situations where these things uh, get really ugly and, and they turn into uh, one person saying, well, now this person is harassing me and intimidating me and, and he's stalking me. And, you know, I, I, we dated a few times and I broke up with him and now he's waiting for me to, uh, during lunch and he's waiting for me after work. It's a bunny boiler. And, and, and he's calling me on the weekends and I'm not safe and he's trying to drive me to work in the morning and an employer you have to protect me because i have to see him in the workplace oh. so yeah I, i've seen those cases uh, many many times and that's why i say employers have to be proactive and and have a way to deal with these things and don't just leave it to chance an amazing tool that you've had now for uh, well over a year and it's uh, it's doing wonders with over fifty thousand people that is the severance pay calculator talking yes, about it severance pay calculator which is of course available at severancepaycalculator.com we've talked about it briefly on the show before a tool that we created just over a year ago that allows employers and employees uh, to find out how much severance is owed, how much severance they, uh, the employee has to get if their employment is terminated. Remember, an employer can let you go usually at any time and for any reason as long as proper severance is paid. We probably had four or five calls just today on the show, John, where people were let go and, and did not receive either any severance or received a fraction of what mm-hmm. they're actually owed. So if uh, these people, any people in that situation have any question. They can call me. I'm always available. But even faster than that, you can always go to severancepaycalculator.com, find out how much you're owed, compare that with what the employers offered. If it's fine, it's fine. If it's not fine and you're not sure if it's fine, give me a call. You can contact me directly from that website if you want. Uh, severancepaycalculator.com. And we also have a corresponding app if you prefer to use it on your uh, iPhone, iPad, or uh, Android phone. And don't be shocked. The numbers are correct. The numbers are yeah. correct. There's no bug don't in the system. Don't be freaked out. Yeah. It's all right. No. And finally, uh, terminationquestions.com. This is wonderful as well. Yes. And, you know, we, we're just wrapped up another uh, hour of the employment hour, and uh, I'll be back next weekend. 
But I'm only here on uh, unless 640 wants to make this a daily show. Uh, I'm in. You, you're in? Okay. So, Gord, you heard that? Okay. Uh, but unless you want to uh, do a daily show, I'm only here once on the weekends. So because of that, what I've done, I've created the uh, terminationquestions.com website that allows anyone to go on and just ask your question, post it right on there. I usually answer very quickly. I can do online the same thing that I do here on the show, answer your questions, and then give you the information that you want. You can do it anonymously. I'm not going to try to call you or anything like that. It's really just for your information. It's free. It's easy to use. And I can say that, again, uh, in the, I think, less than two months that we've done, I've probably answered close to a thousand questions uh, and and happy to continue doing that. So terminationquestions.com. Uh, 24-7, really. And the cool part is there's now an archive. So even if your question has been asked, there might be things going, well, that's interesting. I never thought of asking that question. And there might be an answer there. That's right. right? That's right. So you can search uh, the questions. There's a search feature there. And let's say you have a question about being recruited away. Put in recruitment. Or you have a question about a temporary layoff. Put in temporary layoff. And you'll see what I've answered. Uh, It's a whole wealth of information there. And I'm glad people are using it. And uh, everyone should check it out. So two things you should check out. Terminationquestions.com and severance calculator.com as well. Good tools to have in your pocket for sure when you're uh, when you're needing them or That's any right. other time. Just check it out. That'll wrap it for another week. Outside of show hours, I mentioned Lior's number, 1-855-821-5900. And email, of course, Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. This has been the Employment Hour on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML.